Welcome to Mums in the Making. Storm's grappling with the realities of being a new mum. And Rachel is currently pregnant. And neither of us has a clue what we're doing. And it would appear that neither do any of you. This week on Mums in the Making, we discuss biting toddlers. He bit his childminder to the extent that he drew blood, she had a tetanus jab, antibiotics, and then refused to childmind for him anymore. Rachel is seriously considering her birthing options, so we chat about hypnobirthing. What it does is it reframes your mindset to get rid of any self-limiting beliefs about labour and delivery. And water births. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the bath twice a day at the moment for just general discomfort, so it makes sense. And we also discuss the problems with making a birth plan. Whereas it could, as you say, very well happen. I could be at home and suddenly, you know, it's like a bloody log flume. (laughs) How does she go? Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I am fabulous. Sorry, my chair is creaking. That was nothing other than the chair. <laughs> I phoned too far, did you? <laughs> uh, how are you? Yeah, I am good, thank you. Things, time is slowly ticking on. I feel like someone stranded on a desert island carving tally marks of the days <laughs> into a cave wall. But aside from that, good. Things are okay. moving forward. Do you know what we should we should talk about time? Let's talk about it in a minute because time is a weird, weird thing, and it runs it in a very different way than it did the rest of your existence. Um, so we will get to that. But first, let's start where we like to start, which is how many weeks are you? What's the size of the baby? What are you growing? Thirty-four weeks. Thirty-four weeks, and she is a butternut squash so close and yet so far that's hefty yeah and you know i saw know some people whose children look like butternut squashes when they come out yeah butternut squash is the favorite amongst toddlers and yeah. so um there's a slight irony in that so she is the size of a butternut squash 34 yeah. weeks she should be growing. she should be around 5.2 pounds in weight she'll be getting stronger bones uh, but her skull will remain softer to make birth easier. It won't become hard until or harder until she is one year old. Mm-hmm. She won't have this issue, but if she were a boy, <laughs> she would have her testicles descend or begin to descend oh. at this point. And then her testicles would be fully descended at four months old. So she needs to worry less about that probably. And... At this point in time, their lungs are the part that are not quite fully developed yet. So touch wood, she stays in for the recommended time. But the main concern they have at this point is if they come out early, their lungs aren't quite ready. So, so that's the, a bit of help. Yeah, so that's the last piece of the puzzle for the next two weeks. And then she's fully cooked. Well, I know not long at all. I mean, two weeks, my goodness. Now, I don't know at what point this happens, but the really strange thing about, I believe, being pregnant with a girl is you right now could potentially also be carrying, well, you will if you get grandchildren, you will be carrying your grandchildren right now to part of them. And I saw something about that the other day. It was one of these more 
happy, less scientific <laughs> articles or videos about it. It was talking about how the emotional experience of your child's grandma, your mum, uh-huh. yes. could impact your fetus. And I was thinking, oh, God, it's like Russian dolls. <laughs> like yeah, just constant, little- constant influence all the way through the eggs. Yeah, that is quite a terrifying thought. You say terrifying. I think it's quite an honour, actually. I mean, it's just, I, I mean... The female body is absolutely incredible. Also, don't put too much pressure on yourself because it is only half of your future grandchild. Whoever she decides to have a baby with, to procreate with, will also be half of those genetics. So don't blame yourself for everything that goes wrong with your grandchildren. (laughs) Well, also, I mean, who knows? Will there be a baby banned by the time she's thinking about having kids? Because of the state the world's in, we just don't know. Who knows? Oh, I don't think that'll happen. That would mean the end of human civilization. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been watching the news? <laughs> well, listen, on that note, uh, I know you're really feeling it in terms of the pregnancy and I know you're still feeling sick and that's terrible, but there's been another symptom. Yeah, so yesterday I had a particularly rough day and... Within that rough day, I was having a lot of, well, I had three spells of visual disturbances. So essentially, as if if you've ever nearly fainted before or you have looked into a bright light or something like that and then looked away, there was loads of <laughs> weird floaty things clouding my vision. And I thought, okay, that you are meant to call maternal assessment if that happens. So I just waited and decided, I waited to see whether the other symptoms, severe headache, nausea, anything like that, came up. And there was nothing out of the ordinary. It wasn't like I was any more nauseous or any more in pain than any other day. So I waited. There was a couple of more spells later, but nothing got more severe. So I didn't bother phoning maternal assessment. And it passed, and today is a much better day. But there was part of me going, oh, God, you know, we're so near the end now. And those are symptoms or potential suggestions of preeclampsia, as we've discussed in previous podcasts. But also I'm thinking she could realistically come early. This could be me (laughs) getting some signs that she's on the way. So slightly worried but another one that we've just got to chalk up to (laughs) you know another symptom these things happen and sometimes they're scary and sometimes most of the time they mean nothing but obviously if you are more concerned than I was call maternal assessment and get them to come in and or you go in and get your blood pressure taken and that sort of thing. Well this sounds like one for our midwife Carla. There's a few different reasons why you might have visual disturbances in pregnancy, but one of the main reasons and the one that would cause us the most worry in pregnancy is that is a sign of preeclampsia. So that's a serious condition that can be developed in pregnancy, which can pose a risk to you and your baby. If you did have preeclampsia, we'd want to get you in get you some treatment and some monitoring as soon as possible. So if you're having a visual disturbance, then please ring your pregnancy assessment unit, get yourself in there, 
and have a full assessment. If it's not preeclampsia, it could be high blood pressure. A simple high blood pressure can cause visual disturbance. It can be water retention, so the buildup of fluid can cause a bit of visual disturbance. Migraine can be more common in pregnancy, which can also affect your vision. So there are lots of reasons, but we would absolutely want to rule out preeclampsia if you are experiencing a visual disturbance. So please let us know. Let us check you out and reassure you. But other than that and the sickness, you <laughs> felt fine? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I felt absolutely enormous. I've just shown you my gratuitous bump, my unsolicited no, bump. No, not, not gratuitous. <laughs> gratuitous should never be a word used to describe someone's pregnancy belly. It, that's not what it is. I mean, it is very, very large. It is big and beautiful, baby. That's what it is. Big and beautiful. And the funniest thing is we've been going to, we went to a concert last week and also, we went to a food festival in Glasgow on Sunday. And it's funny because people look at you with a mixture of terror and delight and also as if you might spontaneously combust or explode <laughs> like that scene from Alien at any point. So people do stare at your bum when it's this size. And one woman and walked into the food festival and this woman just shouted, you look amazing! <laughs> Oh, how sweet. You do like, look amazing. I was like, thank you very much. Me, I didn't see me normally. <laughs> like, this is very kind. Um, but everyone else just looks at you like, whoa. <laughs> She's a big bitch. You do look uh, like you have a very big bump. Now, I think that is just proportionally because of the size of you. This thing kind of pops out as far as you go up if that makes sense <laughs> well you are now officially as wide as you are the midwife at the antenatal class who presumably seen sees many many women of all shapes and sizes and bumps of all shapes and sizes i walked in on friday and she went oof size of that bump <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yes ma'am <laughs> yes <laughs> So, but that that helps me because it, I know that then is not in my head. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm not obviously this is my first baby. I've got no idea how big or small or you know oddly shaped I should be. But it does make me feel better when <laughs> professional midwives validate me by saying yes, that is a large child in there. That is a very, very large yeah. bump. Well, we know it's a large bump. We don't know necessarily what size the yeah. baby is. I mean, because the scans can be yeah. wrong. Um, so don't expect a toddler to come oh, out no. necessarily. You might get just a perfectly normal size <laughs> baby. Monstrous placenta. Monstrous <laughs> placenta. <laughs> yeah, the placenta actually just walks out afterwards. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> For a so you mentioned your <laughs> antenatal classes and how are they going what did you learn this week so this week we talked about pain everyone's favorite so rather than the pain itself as i'm sure that would be another layer of terror for everyone we talked about pain relief so what you can expect from going in to have your baby and what your options are and all that sort of thing if provided you're having a natural birth. birth. And so we talked about diamorphine and we talked about epidurals and we talked about gas and air and 
what you could have in terms of could you have a water birth and have this pain medication Mm -hmm. could you have gas in there plus another medication Mm -hmm. etc but the thing that (laughs) because if I have a natural birth I'm like give me the whole buffet (laughs) like the smorgasbord of opiates and (laughs) other drugs please I'll be front of the queue there is no points for suffering (laughs) that is for sure no I'm like there's just no doubt in my mind I'm like wire me up <laughs> so I'm good to go I'd start on it now <laughs> just, just to make sure I'm eased in but the group were much more of the hypnobirthing natural birth type leaning I think maybe they're just nervous to say but the midwife asked oh so who thinks they would be up for an epidural and no hands went you up. liars. <laughs> liars. To which I was like, wow, because no one, and I swear to God, like everyone I have spoken to, that of my friends who've had epidurals, none of them regret having one. I even have a friend whose epidural didn't work. She got hers, she had her baby abroad. And they needed to sort of redo it and only one leg went numb or something like that. Even she is still very pro-epidural. So I was surprised, but I think we are towards the older end of the group. We're like the granny grandpa of the group, obviously. Uh, and I, I was just surprised. I was really surprised. And we've got lots of hypnobirthers in the class, which obviously I applaud and support. Do I think it would work for me? No, not really. I'm very skeptical only because I'm really crap at like mindfulness and meditating at the best of times. And I would have liked to have hypno pregnancy for the last nearly a year of my life. And I've not been able to do that. So the likelihood of having the most extreme, ferocious, severe pain of my existence and it happening in my vagina <laughs> and me being able to think myself out of it just seems far-fetched <laughs> well someone to explain a little bit more about the virtues of hypnobirthing is hypnobirthing midwife nissa hypnobirthing is a philosophy of birth essentially considering that birth can be one of the most joyful uh, seminal moments in your life and Classically, it looked at mindset and breathing techniques, hypnosis and relaxation to prepare and the hormones and physiology of birth to work with those rather than against them. Um, and, but actually, these days, I have a lot of clients come that are having planned C-sections and the same techniques work brilliantly. And the beauty of hypnobirthing is that actually whatever happens on the day whether it's really straightforward or not the tools work for you they're going to support you and completely change the way you experience the birth and it turns out that many of our mum's squad are also huge fans of hypnobirthing hi storm um i just want to say being pregnant especially as a new mum is quite daunting to think about the actual labor and you hear and see so many horror stories. So I do recommend hypnotherapy because it helps you calm yourself 
and also during the actual birth it really helped me I didn't even need any kind of um, medication or um, anything to sort of help me through it because my mind was just focused on the breathing and it helped me through the pain even though it was for hours and even beforehand it really does make a difference when you calm and you're not anxious when you're scared about what to expect regardless of what you plan and pre you know pre-prepare for so hypnotherapy is definitely one i would recommend to new moms i have three children and due to my first pregnancy i didn't know about hypnobirthing but in my last two pregnancies hypnobirthing was a real game changer it gave me tools and techniques to help in my feelings of pregnancy and how the body works during labour and delivery. Um, it deals with hypnosis and affirmations um, and hypnobirthing isn't necessarily um, an experience that has to be, you know, drug free or whatever. Like some people think that it does have to be, but it, it doesn't. Um, what it does is it reframes your mindset to get rid of any self-limiting beliefs about labour and delivery and it's really empowering for women and their birth partners to learn that their birth experience can be a good one and it's not necessarily going to be a medical emergency as the media portrays most births to be. Oh my gosh, hypnobirthing was the most incredible thing ever. I absolutely loved it. I didn't think I would. Um, but it was it's such a powerful thing. It really connects you into the power of breath. I used it for all three of my births. Um, didn't need any um, other intervention at all. Um, hypnobirthing took me into it. It took me through all of them. Hi Storm, it's Louise here. So in terms of the hypnobirthing, I did it to encrypt well, I feel like I had no knowledge of um, birth and labour and all the different options, just sort of a lot of the horror stories that you hear really from friends and family in terms of their birth. So I was adamant that I was going to have a, a nice birth and it was going to be a pleasant experience. So that was one of the main reasons. And it helped because that's exactly what I got. Um, I felt like I had the knowledge and plan. I could challenge the midwives when they wanted me to go into hospital and didn't want me to progress at home uh, because my waters had broken 48 hours prior. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, it did exactly what I wanted it to do. I think pregnancy does weird things to different people. We've we've been through this quite a lot, but when I was pregnant, I definitely went through a few months when I had convinced myself that this is what my body was, you know, built to do, that I was going to be able to do a natural birth, that I wanted to do it with as minimal pain um, medication as possible. I wanted to do it in the pool, so I didn't want to have to have an epidural at that point. I wanted to be able to do it in gas and air. Um, I was very big into potentially doing hypnobirthing and all of that sort of stuff. But the minute I found out that there was going to have to be some sort of medical intervention, I went straight for cesarean. I was like, if you're going to interfere with that process in any way for me, I want to be or someone to be completely in control of it. So I ended up having the whole caboodle. So even though your class at the moment are thinking that's what they want to do, you know, situations come up in pregnancy and, and things change all the way up. And even when you're giving birth, which will mean that potentially half that class is not necessarily going to get the birth that they 
they want, which is a real shame um, in one hand, but I just think that it's a good idea to keep your options open and not be too fixated on what you want to do. For example, Rachel, you now want all of the pain medication possible. You'd like to be linked up to the epidural as soon as you step into the hospital and that's that's kind of your vibe. Great. What happens if you go into labour now? You've actually been in labour for seven hours, but you have a high pain threshold. You've not felt it. And you end up giving birth in the flat. You know, th- I mean, things can happen. Unrealistic, okay, I'm far- far-fetched. But things can happen and your birth plan just changes. Yeah, it's expectations versus reality, isn't it? Everyone has the best intentions. I have a very open mind because I know so many of my friends' birth plans have gone out the window. I mean, my best pal took her own Himalayan salt lamp to the birthing centre. I don't even think it got plugged in. She ended up having an emergency C-section. So, you know, things change, plans change. But I, I, I believe that exactly what you're saying, that as long as you're committed to having the baby out healthy... But you both to survive. That is the yes. that is the bottom line for me. I have preferences. They call it a birth preference rather than a birth plan. Oh, good. I mean, they've changed that since I had a baby, so that's that's been changed in the last yeah. year. And I think it's probably more uh, accurate. Yeah, I mean, it definitely manages your expectations more. And I would never be someone that went in and said, "Right, this is how it's going to go." <laughs> this is it you need to do your bit I'll do my bit right you hold that <laughs> you know I'm I I'm obviously a total noob <laughs> this podcast has <laughs> displayed in so many ways I just want to stay alive I want baby to stay alive I am I would say getting more fearful as the deadline draws closer of the extreme cases of things that can go wrong mm-hmm. I read some article that came up in my newsfeed very helpfully the other day about Von Tuss going wrong you know the suction when the baby's head it goes oh don't head. need that stuff I know I did though it was like a car crash rubbernecking I was like I'm just gonna click on it just see what it says um no, no I, I, it I don't it wasn't I, there I, I, well, I think what we need to remember, actually, because there'll be lots of people listening to this that are currently pregnant and probably at a very similar stage to you, just think about the statistics in this. Every time I got fearful of something, I looked up the stats. It's that economic brain coming back again. <laughs> but the stats are on your side. Most women give birth when they get to this stage to a perfectly healthy baby and recover from the pregnancy well. The yeah. statistics are on your side. You're not likely to be the exception no you are most likely to be the rule and also i mean it's not just the extremely negative stories i'm reading i read one about that woman that's been stuck in san lucia did you see that she wanted she wanted to give birth on a beach she felt that that was the most beautiful natural thing possible so no medical intervention she wanted to be on a beach and she decided that she wanted to do it in this beach in san lucia so they got permission to fly from the doctor, signed off, went out at 35 weeks on their way to the beach on a boat and she gave birth on the boat. <laughs> so she never managed to get to the beach. 
but now they're stuck in San Lucia because they couldn't register the baby's birth and they just returned from this boat trip <laughs> with the baby. And now they're just, yeah, in San Lucia, the other kids at home. <laughs> Where's mom and dad gone? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think's amazing about that? I would say that's how much your mind does have control over what your body is doing. I know that's a bit hippy-dippy and people listening to that, including doctors, will be like, had head in hands what is she talking about but I just I do believe that our mind can benefit us greatly if we use it in the right way when it comes to something like giving birth just getting into the right mindset and being confident whether you're going in for a plan c-section or whether you're going for a natural birth just be positive and confident that the outcome is going to be great, knowing your heart is going to be great. And I, I do think that that's more likely to give a good outcome. I mean, that's hypnobirthing. That's the ethos, really, isn't it? It's that manifesting. I knew I'd goodness. be good at that. <laughs> but, but the midwife nearly had me convinced about a water birth in the antenatal class because she was talking about it. And I was thinking, that does sound pretty good. I do love a bath. And, and apparently water can reduce the pain by something like 15%. It's a significant percentage anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the bath twice a day at the moment for just general discomfort, so it makes sense. Let's hear some of your experiences of water births. In terms of the pool, I was in pretty much the three hours um, that I was in labour. It was instant relief the moment I got into the water. Um, obviously, it was quite warm. I also had um, a tea towel with boiling water on my back throughout that my partner kept putting on and that just provided instant relief because I had quite a lot of pain in my back um, but I felt like I could breathe through it. So yeah, there was huge benefits to being in the water. Just um, even just getting comfortable when I was delivering um, Denver, my baby. It just felt so much easier. Um, I suppose the negatives are the clean-up afterwards. Um, but yeah, in terms of having him in the water, there was absolutely no negatives. It was just operation tidy up um, after the birth. But luckily, my mum and auntie. Hi both, it's Charlotte here from South Wales. Um, I did use the water pool during my labour for my first boy. Um, it was never my plan to use the pool, but it was available. And turns out he was back to back. So the water actually really helped relieve the pain of him being back to back. I felt really relaxed in there. And while I didn't actually practice any hypnobirthing techniques or learn any hypnobirthing techniques, um, I did have experience with yoga. So I practiced my breathing yoga techniques with the gas and air and it really helped. Um, I thought I would be that mum that would use all of the drugs under the sun during labour. But with the pool, I only needed the gas and air and it was really great. Uh, while my little boy wasn't born in the pool, uh, we needed interventions, bless him, because he got stuck. I would still encourage mums to use it if it's available because it's such a lovely experience. What's your birth preference as it stands today at 34 weeks? So... Honestly, I am going to I've booked my appointment with the with a consultant to discuss having an elective C section because I'm very 
nervous about having a natural birth with a monster baby that's if it's anything like her dad's gonna be 10 pounds and then we'll discuss the pros and cons and we'll see because I feel like if we hadn't had that 4d scan which by the way the NHS they just ignore that that's like not registered in their yeah that's not on their radar at all <laughs> deleted <laughs> but I'm like but the evidence <laughs> like shaking shaking the scan in their faces like please look at the evidence uh yeah that spooked me a bit because she's weighing so much heavier and she was so much bigger so that's been weighing on my internal organs and also my mind <laughs> and, and I'm at the stage that I'm sure having spoken to lots of my pals about it in the last week everybody gets to which is so impatient <laughs> just like get that baby out of there and I'm just ready everything becomes difficult at this stage I mean putting on clothes any oh, yeah. clothes even your maternity clothes at this point are too small for you everything's just tight yeah Sandy's doing my shoes for me <laughs> and you know I, I just I don't feel like I look like myself I can't remember the last time I was p- this pale for this long <laughs> because I haven't bothered doing a fake tan or anything and yeah I'm just I'm really ready so my birth preference at the moment is potentially to have her taken out the sunroof on a planned date decided with the consultant whether I get that is another story and then yeah my other birth preference is to go into labor and then there's a there's a type of pain relief that they used to not advertise that much, but it's becoming more common, which rather than get the injection to your spine, you have it put in your hand and you have a, you have a tappy clicker. clicker. So you time it with your contraction. So you know a contraction is coming up, tap, tap, tap. You go out of it, away with the fairies for five minutes. And then you're back in the room. Okay, yeah, we're giving birth. Okay, okay, it's contraction time. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. And I'm back in the room. Okay. <laughs> so you want to be very conscious when the baby arrives. I would prefer that, again, preference, but I prefer that than have be completely numb from the waist down. Something about that is, you know, it does freak me out slightly. I still would take it 100% if it meant I wasn't going to be in pain. But I feel like there's a measure of control there with the, the clicking. But you know that when you have a C-section, you'll have an epidural and you'll be... Um, I, I don't need, I think it's something different to an epidural, actually. But anyway, you're numb from the waist down, from actually below the boobs down. Yeah, right. I'm aware of that. And there will be a tent up next to my face. Yes, and it's a very strange experience. <laughs> there doesn't have to be, by the way. I think you can not have the tent. You can see what's going on if you want to. I mean, I... I personally... I think Sandy needs the tent more than I do. I heard a terrible story about someone having a caesarean and this was this isn't a friend of a friend. This Actually, I spoke to the husband of the woman um, that did this. She had a C-section. Oh, my goodness. Oh, And she couldn't see what was going on beyond the um, tent in front of her. But for some reason, her hand had migrated down by her waist. I no idea why that happened anyway at some point she put her hand inside herself just because she didn't she couldn't feel anything 
Yeah, and then there was a sort of code red from the doctors and they had to sanitise everything and everyone went a bit mad for a minute. But it calmed down and she's absolutely fine. But my advice is... Can you imagine, was it like flopping around? Like, why was she flailing? No, no, so she could... No, well, presumably she'd be able to move her arms. I certainly could move my arms. But because you can't feel your legs... She she would have assumed if her hand was anywhere near her side or her leg, she would have felt it. So she thought her hand was somewhere else and accidentally put her hand inside the huge gaping wound that had been created by the doctors. So, whoopsie, indeed. There was a bit of a frantic moment. Anyway, it was all fine and she was fine. My advice is, though, just make sure you keep your hands up top. If you're going in for a cesarean and everything will be dandy. Everything should be dandy anyway. I mean, there's so many different options and so much to consider. I feel like, much like I'm saying, oh, everyone that wants to have a natural birth, wants a hypnobirth, should think about the fact they might need an intervention, they might need C-section, they might need pain relief. I need to remember that that also works the other way because I feel like part of my brain, yeah, I feel not. like part of my brain has gone, oh, well, this part doesn't apply to me because <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And I don't know if it's a coping mechanism or something. <laughs> They're talking about, you know, tearing perineums and the hot and tingly holes and things. And I'm going, <laughs> no, doesn't sound like something that I have to tune into. <laughs> this doesn't sound like it's for me. Whereas it could, as you say, very well happen. I could be at home and suddenly, you know, it's like a bloody log flume. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> what oh, you? well, <laughs> blinking your mess. That was easier yeah. than we thought. <laughs> Bunny's very confused. <laughs> I forgot to ask, has Otis's vocabulary increased beyond boo? Oh, so we've got we've got boo. No, it's still predominantly boo. Everything is boo. She's the centre of the universe. We've got dada. Yeah, well, she is. And for most of the family, to be honest. <laughs> and then we've got dada. Now he says trees every time we oh. open up the curtains because we say, oh, can you see the trees? And he just goes, jeez. <laughs> jeez. So it's not, you know, he's, he's, he's not quite there with his accuracy or his enunciation, but uh, he's getting there. So these and the other one that he weirdly said the other day, and I don't know why this has come up. It's not something that we say regularly, but star. He knows what a star shape is now. He can point at it in a book, which I think is bonkers. And it does sound very much like tar. (laughs) Tar. Tar. Weird how you can pronounce the R in star, but not these. (laughs) Anyway, children are weird. They develop at different rates and... Those are nice first words, though. Trees and stuff. Yeah, it is, actually. But I think that just goes to show what the contents of baby books and nursery rhymes Well, are I don't know. One of the ones I got from the baby shower is all about boobies. <laughs> boobies? It's, yeah, well, boobies, bums, it's called... It's not rude to be nude. And it's all a selection <laughs> of naked people and bodies <laughs> I, I mean it, it was an education for me I, I was Sandy was reading it out loud to me and all different types of bodies in there and people who have got bits of their body missing and bits that are hairier than others how so... very healthy <laughs> She's going my to baby's first words are going to be tits 
what was your baby's first word storm mm, trees and star rachel uh booby <laughs> yep armpits <laughs> hairy armpits yeah um well i think she'll probably end up having a very good uh sense of self and body image which is <laughs> definitely not a bad thing running um, around o- nude otis although he's he's come up with two extra words which is great he's also um i don't know how to put this delicately biting um. he just he's he's a biter i got the biter i kind of knew i was gonna get the biter as well i think maybe i've <laughs> was it the nipples that gave it away <laughs> Was it that wasn't the breastfeeding was the first hint? <laughs> well, they they were all in my mind accidental, but looking back, there was a glint in his eye. He got um, a taste for it. <laughs> so now he's biting one because he's teething, but also out of frustration, and he did bite the nursery nurse Ooh. um two weeks ago. She didn't tell me though until quite recently. So Until it got infected. She, she did. Yeah. Until she, so she was hospitalised, and it turns out <laughs> it's the apocalypse. Apparently, this is quite a normal thing. He's not biting oh, yeah. children, thank goodness. But I don't. Yeah, really he's know. biting. He's just, he's fighting the man. He's biting people in authority. I, <laughs> That's what you want. And he's kicking back. I am the man. I am. I can't work out how to discipline it though. Because he won't understand if I give him into trouble. So mm. there's, there's, I don't want to be that mum anyway. I'm not going to raise my voice. So I just say no in a really stern way and look at him with a serious face and not mummy's funny face. And then I move on and we play with something else or I give him something else to choose. So I show him humans mm. not to bite, inanimate objects. Is he breaking skin? Are we talking vampire leaving so he's only got four teeth leaving imprints but not breaking skin i mean it's the intent really that is the issue isn't it but this is something i've always wondered and you know that i have my queries and skepticism and fear about gentle parenting as it's called because nowadays if your kid hits you or bites you or shows violence towards you or their sibling, the reaction is very different than it would have been back in our day when we would have got skilt, I assume. <laughs> Not to assume that yeah. you were skilt, but I would have been. Everyone Most of skilt. us were. Yes. So that is still very, very daunting for me to think about that that you have to keep in that reaction and not react yourself when a kid has hit you in the face because the ideology now is that as you say they don't understand when things are bad or wrong or they're being told off and actually you could be playing into the fact oh I get attention this time when I do this yeah, so exactly that's any attention is good attention I've now completely captivated my mum because she's screaming and running around the house and, and doing all the rest of it that is a reaction and that's what kids want to get so I am also curious about how you would cure that sort of low-level violent behavior and your toddler <laughs> without... are you saying that this is just the start of what will I mean, become an asshole I reckon but... that he has a future as a villain <laughs> 
Thankfully, I'm not the only one who has experience of a snappy toddler. My toddler was a biter. He bit his childminder to the extent that he drew blood. She had a tetanus jab, antibiotics, and then refused to childmind for him anymore. That's my biting story. My name is Kaylee, and I have a 14-month-old who has bit probably since he was about six months. He doesn't bite. No, he has. He's bit me once, actually. When I stopped him touching the oven, he bit the inside of my leg and broke the skin. But he bites when he... Out of frustration. So if he's, if he's got his shape sorter and he's trying to fit the circle into the triangle, if that doesn't fit, he'll then bite the circle shape. I'm not quite mastered on how to stop him yet, so if there's any tips and tricks, please let me know. Well, let's do that. Let's get some help from an expert. Hi Storm, it's Dr Sarah Mundy, uh, author of Parenting Through Stories and consultant clinical psychologist. And I'm talking to you a bit about biting in toddlers. So it's interesting because biting is something that often makes people very anxious, makes parents very worried, yet it's a really common experience of toddlers. And I see it just like I see other behaviours. It's a way of communicating what's going on for the child. So it might be they're overstimulated, tired, frustrated, trying to get whoever's near them away and not knowing it's not the thing to do. So in terms of our response, instead of going in, punishing, shouting, sending them to time out, that's not going to teach them not to do it. That's just going to make them feel bad for what they've done, which they probably don't know was bad in the first place. What we do is we set boundaries, of course, move them away, say don't bite, it's not okay, but also try and work out what's going on for them. Because actually any behaviour is a form of communication and just because it's biting and it makes people stressed, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your child. It's just about teaching them to do things differently without punishing them for making mistakes. So we help calm them down and we try and address what's underlying the behaviour in the first place. And we have to remember children nearly always grow out of biting. There's very few adults that bite, apart from perhaps Luis Suarez, the footballer that I remember biting on the football pitch. But it is a developmental stage that quite a few children go through and we need to respond calmly with warmth and empathy and help them learn it's not okay. Listen, we're coming to the end of our podcast. And I'd like to wheel back to where we started when we said time is a weird thing, because I think this is a really interesting topic when it gets to this point in pregnancy. And certainly for me, with Otis reaching a year old, because it's like an elastic band time. It feels like it goes on forever. The days just seem to go on for about 100 years. But when I look back at my pregnancy, it went in a flash. I think that's mummy amnesia. We've talked about it before. This is like this parental dementia that everyone has because this has been the longest year of my life, I think. And I, I just, I genuinely, I had a moment, it was probably yesterday when I was feeling rough. And I was just thinking, I'm not cut out for this. This is like, this was not meant to be my job. I, I know that I'm going to be a really great mum and I'm really looking forward to that bit I I have confidence in that but this (laughs) this was this is the lead up that I really struggled with and I do this one second every day so I take a a little piece of video every single day and then every month 
I post it and it's a compilation of what I've been doing that month and I write a little blurb then <laughs> in the last year I believe it was in May I said time is finally moving forward so that gives you an idea from January to May <laughs> I was like in the trenches and now I am back in the oh god I'm in quicksand <laughs> timescape again but can I ask when you think about the day that you found out you were pregnant does that feel like a long time ago that feels like it could have happened to a completely different person like a different version of me that may as well have been five years ago to my mind like yeah like I look at the really? pictures of the night we found out I, I think about Sandy and I as a couple when we found out and the stage we were at and it all seems completely different like it's another life like I've gone through the, the looking glass <laughs> and I am looking back at a completely different version of Rachel a completely different version of Sandy it's very surreal I, and because physically I look so different I felt so different in the last year and the whole thing has been this constant insane pregnancy space-time continuum <laughs> which just contracts and relaxes and is really confusing and my best pal Claire she's having a baby she just had a 20-week scan and weirdly she's halfway now her pregnancy seems to be flying in <laughs> I'm like whoa you're 20 you're 20 <laughs> weeks already that's insane <laughs> whereas <laughs> like wading through treacle Every day is yeah. a struggle for you because I think I think your pregnancy for me anyway is flown <laughs> by, um. But yeah, I mean, but you know, I I didn't have to go through it. But I I think that it's interesting when you look back and you look back and you as Sandy as a couple because I think that's probably true. Pregnancy definitely changes your relationship, and once that baby arrives, your relationship changes again. So you will look back at before you gave birth, and you'll look at your relationship, and it it probably won't look the same and um, because there are different challenges and there's different things that crop up and, and your relationship does change so I, I I do understand that but even sitting here now I think I can remember the night I found out I was pregnant I can remember telling care and it doesn't feel like it was over two years ago now it just doesn't it feels like it could have been I don't know last month two months ago I just I feel like I've blinked and I've missed it all and yet the days have felt, some of them, like 10 years. And while pondering time and pregnancy in the early days of motherhood, Rachel received a message from Mum Squad member Carl, who I think sums it up beautifully. I was thinking about you the other day um, because in the, yeah, you're right about pregnancy feeling like it goes on for fucking ever, um, but also... Uh, those early days when you are hazy and the hours all seem back to front and there are these long nights um, where sometimes you feel like time has stood still and you're the only person in the world and that the sun will never come up. Um, and those hours feel like they drag and that you are, yeah, they just, they seem to take an eternity. But then all of a sudden you blink and they're, calling or they're talking or they're walking and then suddenly they're at school and it's very strange it's this weird time concertina parenthood because 
there are bits where you are like, if I have to play cats for another 10 minutes, I am actually going to die. And then there are other times where you think, oh my God, stop, stop, it's going too fast. But yeah, there's lots of things that um, I remember, you know, thinking, oh God, I can't wait till I, I don't have to breastfeed anymore or because that was a real struggle for me or um, oh, I can't wait till he's walking, I can't wait till he's crawling and now all those things are happening. I'm like, oh, I remember the days when he would fall asleep in my arms and, I, you know, I miss those stages a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's just a bizarre, it's just a bizarre time and you just but have it, to take every moment as it comes. It, it's human nature though, isn't it? One of my favourite memes is, it just says, remember what you wanted, remember when you wanted what you already have. And it was such a big like wake up for me because you want like the big job, you want to live in a certain place, you want the dream partner, you want to get pregnant and have the baby. And it's very rare that you take stock, just take a minute and be like, this is everything that I wanted. Yes. Because <laughs> you're always looking towards the next thing, like you say. It's like, oh, you have this beautiful child and he's saying his first words, but it'll be so great when he can tell jokes or compete in sports day or yeah. whatever it is. We so rarely take a moment to be like, this is what I wanted. This is what I was craving for so long. And now I have it because the human condition is always to be somehow unfulfilled and well, looking towards the next thing. I try and remember that now because there are times when I'm feeding them and I think, oh, I wish you would just hold the bottle. Like it would be nice to just sit here and you're holding the bottle because he refuses, he likes me to do it. But then I think about the fact that I miss the days when he would fall asleep on me. He doesn't tend to do that now, just cuddle up and, and, and sleep on my chest. And I think, oh, one day I'll really miss holding this bottle. So instead of thinking, I wish you held the bottle, I just try and change my mindset to enjoy that moment. It doesn't work every time, obviously. But, <laughs> but yeah, things do move quick. They move quicker than they feel in the immediate moment. Is the only way I can describe it. Yeah, like right now, today, <laughs> I felt myself getting annoyed is probably the wrong word. But Frustrated. irked. <sighs> I don't know. It was basically, the baby's really active, which everyone wants. That's great. There's no arguments there. She's moving about all the time. <laughs> but I think the Instagram reels that are done by Americans that I've watched call it touched out I feel really touched out right now uh so I just felt a bit like oh god just sit still like I can't you know the feeling of what essentially feels like gears going in your stomach and then you get a big elbow coming across your belly I'm like just go to sleep <laughs> just, just relax for five minutes but I'm obviously very appreciative of having this circus act child in my uterus <laughs> just wanted to take it easy just for a little a little while but who and knows yet, maybe one day you're gonna miss those little movements inside you well exactly and th that did cross my mind I was thinking will there be a day when I'm sitting talking to Storm romanticizing and reminiscing about these <laughs> rose-tinted spec times where I felt her move all of the time and you were so <laughs> and I'm like will that happen it might, but what's great is we've recorded then, it all. Is that what's going to happen? The mummy dementia is going to set in? 
Well, <laughs> mine's did. So thank God. <laughs> this is this is the time capsule to remind me how I really felt. So. Yeah, but listen, you're doing so well. You're so close to the finishing line. And I know you don't think you're cut out for this, but you are and you're doing it and you're doing it great. So, um, yeah, just get through every day. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say enjoy it because I know that must be really difficult. <laughs> just, just keep scoring, scoring those days off on the cave wall. Uh, what have you got on this week? Aside from being nibbled on by, uh, by a <laughs> small, sharp-toothed child. Breakfast, lunch and dinner for my one-year-old. Um, <laughs> I am nothing really. I'm just working. It Ken and I have a weekend together, which will be lovely because he's been working lots and I've been working. So it's just nice to spend some time together. It, so oh. nothing massive in the in the works. More learning how to be a parent classes, really. Learning how to birth and generally preparing the house for the arrival. Imminent arrival. At, yeah, we've been looking at baby carriers and we've been looking at the car seat that someone gave us. We might put the car seat in. Nice. All, all very exciting. Very good idea to get that in way before the baby is born and practice taking it in and out, in and out, because... I promise you, no matter how many times you think you've practiced that, it, there will be aspects that you did not practice and it is a million times harder when you've got a little bundle that's like this, the most precious thing you've ever had and you just, you're terrified oh of dropping it. So, yes, very important to practice that. That's a good And get bigger. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just double in size. Get, get more enormous. <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> well, enjoy that. And uh, I will speak to you next week to find out what you've learned. Bye. Well, that's all we've got time for this week on Mums in the Making. Join us next week when we discuss antenatal classes, breaking waters, and mucus plugs. Now, don't forget if you want to join in and be part of the Mum Squad, then follow me on Instagram at Storm Huntley and send us a voice note. But until next week, it's bye for now. <laughs>